exalt you tonight. Thank you for your refreshing. Thank you for the power of your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your loving Thank you. kindness. Thank you for your tender mercies. We embrace you tonight. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forever. Hallelujah. To your name alone, be honor, glory, power, and dominion. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Thank you, Brother and Ngozi. Thank you very much. Amen. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, just right off the bat, let me just say that uh, uh, we got some feedback from the congregation. Uh, there are a lot of people that have questions, but they don't feel like they can come forward to ask those questions. They want to be anonymous. Uh, so uh, we want to make room for that. And so what we're asking is anyone that has any questions that they want to ask anonymously, uh, they feel free to send that to the uh, ministry WhatsApp number, which myself and only one other trusted person will have access to and will ask that question to the congregation anonymously on Sunday morning. Or if you prefer, you can write those questions on a piece of paper and leave them in the box in a friendship avenue uh, but if you do write, I want to ask you to please write legibly. We cannot read tongues. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a prescription from a doctor's office, man. <laughs> it's only known to the doctor and to the pharmacist. <laughs> but to the patient, man, you can't read that stuff. So, so uh, we, we want to leave those two options. You're going to get a mail about that maybe tonight or tomorrow. So that's the instruction that's going to the whole body. Amen. All right, so like I said on Sunday, there was no way I could have addressed everything that was in my notebook, uh, and, and that's fine because we don't want to force feed or give you too much information at any particular time. Uh, so tonight, I just want to touch on maybe one or two aspects of parenting alone, and you notice I'm, I'm changing that term. I prefer to use parenting alone than the other terminology that have been used in the past. Uh, and so one of the critical areas of parenting alone is the issue of dealing with dual parenting. Dual parenting. Because now, in a situation where the other spouse is alive but not there, no longer present in the home, uh, the children still must have access to the parent in the house and to the other parent away from the house. Because it is very important uh, that we try to encourage, uh, that we're trying to create the room or the atmosphere where the child gets a chance to get the benefit of both parents wherever and whenever that is possible. So sharing the kids with the ex and former in-laws require a delicate balance. Why? Why is that so? Well, of course, trust has been broken. Uh, the family is now fractured. However, we recognize that the kids must still spend some time with their other parent, and even sometimes may want to see their uh, other grandmother or grandfather. So, parenting alone calls for being able to deal with the realities of what we call joint custody. Now, what are some things that can help us with this? Number one, 
we have to let expectations go. Let me explain what I mean by that. Although we try as much as possible, and, and uh, maybe Sister Varsia and uh, Olamide can, <laughs> they are both here tonight, they will help me out with this. <laughs> Praise God, if need be. Although, although uh, we try to keep the family dynamics the same. In other words, you, you want to maintain as much uh, regular routine as possible. You want to maintain a semblance of normalcy for the family as much as possible. The fact remains, though, that everything has changed. One person is missing, and we cannot, there's, there's no disguising that. That is the new normal. That's the reality of the, of, of the case. Amen? The family structure no longer looks or feels the same. However, that other person still exists in the minds, in the hearts, and the very DNA of the children. We cannot wipe that out. The parent that's parenting alone may want to forget that past relationship. And I can understand that. But there is no way we can, there, there is no magic to erase that memory from the minds, the hearts, and the DNA of the children. That's not possible. So we have to deal with it. And that's why we say we have to let expectations go. Now, <laughs> so the kids now have to adjust to two homes. Two homes, two sets of rules. Because in the house where they're living in, mama or papa has their set of rules. This is what happens. You have to wash your dishes, do your homework, go to bed at the particular time. That's the rule for this household. But when they go and be with the other parent, you're not there. And the other parent also has perhaps a different set of rules. So these kids are juggling. And we must understand that. We have to understand what the kids are, what, what's, what, what the challenge that they are, they are dealing with. They are juggling with two sets of homes, two sets of rules, and sometimes maybe even two churches. Because the weekend that the other parent has there, maybe he or she goes to another church and takes the kids along with them. So it's important to understand this and to let expectations go. Now, what I mean by that, we have to trust God. There, we, we, there's no way we can have eyes in the other home. Only God can take care of whatever needs to be taken care of in that situation. Can, can I take, do you guys want me to stop? You want, you want to talk about this for a minute? Well, see, you're looking at me very, you send me some strong message. I mean, that's, that's fine. You want to say something to me? Okay. Okay. You are the one that makes the final decision. Yes. So basically, he would have to address that church issue with me if he wants to take them to another church. Okay, okay. Because with my divorce decree, I am the one who has to say for that. Okay, let me, make, let me make sure. I let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me re-explain that. Okay, what she's saying is, even when the children are away to the other home, he, the other parent, has to let you know that he plans to take them to another church. Is that correct? Okay. Okay. 
Okay. Well, let me know why you going to say something? My own um, stuff. I have the sole custody as well, but I don't interfere. With oh, 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 oh wait a minute. Wait, wait. I, I missed that part. So there's the issue of sole custody. Yeah, I mean, if you have a sole custody, you have every right. Okay, tell me, what does that mean, legally? What does okay, sole custody mean? Um, normally, you have a joint custody. The okay. joint custody is when both parents have 50-50. Ah. Or if you have a sole custody, when it comes to anything pertaining with the kids, you have the final say. Ah. Wait, wait, wait. Say, say, speak it on the mic. I can't. It's the same, but, you know, in wording of mine, mine has legal and physical. While hers say soul, but basically I have it's the same. The soul means when it comes to any decision, education, where the kids go, where they stay, everything, it's the mother. I have that. But I honestly, I don't interfere with whatever he does at his house. God, it's his time with his kids. So. Okay. I don't have that kind of headache, you know, whatever he wants to do, that's fine. So that my kids are fine, I'm good. Okay, this sole custody or legal and permanent right, legal physical, is there an expiration to that? Is that forever or to a certain age? 18. Okay, all right. Here in Georgia, 18. I know in New York, it's Okay, good. All right, that's very good. All right. Now, the second thing about dual parenting. So first, you let expectations go, which means you basically trust God. Uh, and then second thing here is the ability to control or confront, rather, confront the negatives of that past relationship, the anger, the manipulation, the rejection, the grief, and the inclination to be possessive, to say, I'm not going to let you see them. I'm going to punish you. You know what I mean? The control and the pain. These are some of the emotions, but not all, some of the emotions that accompany parenting alone. Okay? Now, if we continue to live in anger or try to use the children to manipulate our ex and in-laws, we will basically be using our children as a bait. And I hear this. This last part, this, this last part is very, very important. When that is the case, hopefully God will help us that we don't get there. But if that is ever the case, we will only dig holes of bitterness and regret. If we try to control every custody battle and keep our children from their blood relatives, which from what I'm hearing tonight, that's not the case. Thank God for that. But if we are trying to control every custody battle and keep our children from their blood relatives, we will only succeed in teaching the next generation how to hate. Why is that, Why is that so? We'll be teaching them how to hate because hate is not just based on what we say, but also what we do or don't do. Now, this is huge. This is a huge point, and I, I want to make sure we, we understand the point I'm making here. If we use our children as a bait, or a better word, as a weapon, 
what happens is, now, there are times when, there are situations when we think we're doing the right thing by doing so because we think that other guy or that other person is just very destructive and, and they need to pay for what they have done. But what I'm saying is when we do that, we're actually digging a hole and we are sowing the seed of hate to the next generation. Now, first, let's, let's even back up. Why do husband and wives fight? Let's even back up from that. Let's back up from that. Why do a man and a woman, why, do, why did they get married? What's the goal? What's the end result? Is it just for our generation? No. Malachi makes it clear in Malachi chapter 2 that God gives a man to a woman, Adam and Eve, because God desires godly offspring. We need to really back up. Unfortunately, when husband and wife are interacting, we don't ever think of that bigger picture. We all get consumed with whatever the topic or the discussion or the situation is for that moment. Not recognizing that this relationship is not just for us, but God is a God of posterities. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations. So at any given time, God looks at Deola and he's seen three generations. God looks at me and he's seen three generations. So if God is like that, what do you think the enemy is like? <laughs> so the enemy recognizes that coming against me, in a short term, I am thinking, oh man, I'm having a hard time. Oh my goodness, my marriage is on the rocks. I'm thinking me, 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 me. Immediately I'm thinking me, me, enemy say, I got him. Because he's only looking at short term. His goal is to disrupt and fracture this generation so that he can affect the next one and the one coming after. Because all of us are a product of a previous generation. And we are carrying something into our lives now that we receive when we were not even there in the previous generation. So for that reason, we need to be very careful. We need to be careful. Amen. Okay, so let expectations go. Um, uh, control the negatives and just march towards your healing. Amen? Now, it begs one question. Yeah, this is good. I need to touch this. Because the question may be, Okay, this guy or this woman really messed up during a relationship. They abused me emotionally, physically. Uh, they were very oppressive. They did some terrible things. So I might just let all of that go. I forgive them. And they get to go on with their life and do it again to the next person. When we start thinking like that, we've totally forgotten that there's a God in the situation. If it helps any of us tonight, let, us, let, let, let me say this. Whoever has done the evil, that relationship, they're not getting away scot-free. God is just saying, you, bank, or whoever the person is, you don't try to exact revenge. It's not your place to exact the revenge. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay 
You see, in the short term, as humans, we think, man, this lady is getting away with this, man. This man is getting away with this, man. Let me deal with it. And God is saying, you don't even be, you have no idea how I want to deal with it. So God says, take your hands off. Release them. Release the anger. Because the anger is a poison in your system. And when you release them, then I can get involved and deal with them. Does that make any sense? <laughs> you, want, you have something to say? Yeah. It's not easy. No, 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 it's not easy. Expectations for me, yeah. I, I, I expected so much. Yes. And when you don't get what you expect the person to do after, there was... That individual was the one who created the issue. You're angry. Sure. I, I don't have nothing to hide here, Chair. Sure, 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 sure. Me. Speaking of the mic, though. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell the truth. So. Sure, sure, sure. I expected stuff, and I know I, I am not getting it. My kids are not getting it. So, yes, I am angry. And that's fine. Do, I do get angry, so I'm just letting you guys sure. know here in church. So, it's very difficult sometimes. Yes. And challenging. Sure. So... Like you said, I understand that. You got to work around. I got to work around that. Yeah. Because when you're expecting stuff, I know Sister Landy told me about that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> when you, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for me, I got to work on that one. Sure. Next one, it was one you were touching. I can't remember right now offhand. But it was one you were touching. When I remember, I'll let you know too. Because I feel on a lot of the stuff we're talking here right now, I failed in some part of it. And that created a problem, you know, and I got to work on that yes. for me. Because Amen. no one has been in my shoes, so they don't know what I dealt with. But yes, sure. what you're talking about right now, almost every topic here right now, I failed. Amen. But I'm working. I'm a work in progress. Amen. And I know I'm working towards that. And thank God I got my sister here, <laughs> young lady. Amen. You know? I, and I appreciate that, uh, Vasea. And healing is a process. It's not something overnight. I think the difference between you and Olamide, she said something on Sunday that was very instructive. She said, while she was already in it, she, had, she was already going through all of that. that you know, it's, it's like, I guess the best way to, to, to describe that is if a person had a spouse that was terminally ill. Okay? So, so the person is terminally ill. And it took them, well, two, three years to finally expire. Well, you've had two or three years to prepare yourself. I'm sorry, that's just the best way I can describe that. So you have two or three years to prepare yourself that this is terminal, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, here it is. Versus, God forbid, you're on your way from work, you get a phone call, there's an accident, it's happened. You understand what I'm saying? That's more traumatic. Yes, but I said the good news is you can overcome all of that because God is on your side. God wants you to succeed. He has plans for you apart from that individual. He has plans for your children and God will never, ever let you down. He will never let you down. Yes, LT. Oh, Pastor, I just wanted to, I wanted to say um, I'm the product of this type of situation. Um, my mother um, left my father at a real young 
we were we were real young. It was one of those situations like the movies where you wake up in the middle of the night and you go into a different city and probably for about six months to a year, family members didn't even know where we were. So um, it was a situation which my father didn't want. He didn't want us, you know? And it was a hard, it was hard realization for me as a young kid because I was, um, was I like kindergarten? Kindergarten or first grade when we left, when, he, um, when we left and um, it was an abusive relationship and you know, all those memories I still, I still retain even from that young age. But um, I guess the purpose of what I'm saying is that through the whole time, even when we, we left, we were gone for about three years and we got back to our hometown where all of our family members were. And I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, be with my father. And my mother would always encourage me, go, go, go stay with him, you know. And I would spend a lot of time with my grandmother, but my father just didn't want me, you know. He just, he didn't, he didn't really care, you know. And um, God provided, God provided for my mother, because times got hard. God provided for me, he provided strong male influences Amen. in my life throughout, throughout, my, throughout my life, you know. And, um, and he also um, allowed me to be able to reconcile with my father. Wow. So, awesome. and I mean, my, my father had problems. He had drug problems and a lot of, a lot of different issues. So it, came for the, it came for your retirement. Yes, yes, yes. I remember I saw it him. It was a surprise. They, they surprised <laughs> me with it, you know. But we had reconciled well, well, well back um, maybe over about 15 years ago. Um, and it, what I'm just saying is that through all that time, my mother was never, she was never, I don't say, I mean, she would, when we got older, she would, you know, kind of tell it like it is, but she would always encourage us. She would never try to hinder us from, from going and staying with us, with, with our father. He never paid child support. My father's still paying child support now. I mean, back pay. Back pay, um, the government won't, he will, <laughs> he, will, he will never get away from it. Back pay will be forever. You know, and my, my um, his, his youngest son is, my brother's what, 35 years old. He's still paying child support. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, ser I'm serious. So, and, and, and what I'm saying is that he never gave anything, you know, but, but God provided. My grandmother, my family members. Amen. God will always provide, and then he will, he will, he will um, present that opportunity for reconciliation. Amen. For your children and, and for you as well. Amen. But right I'm, now, my mother has a relationship with my father as a, as a friend, you know. Wow. Even, even to this day, from all the stuff that they've been through. So, Amen. You know. uh, thanks for sharing that, because, because the, the, the good news there is, in spite of what the enemy sought to do, by him not wanting you guys, look how you guys turned out. So that's the amazing thing about God. And that's the encouragement for all of us. I mean that in spite of what the enemy intended, God turned it around for good. And that should be the memory. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know that even you, you and your father are reconciled. And that's just an awesome thing. So we thank God for that. Because you have to understand that whatever he did, or whatever happened in those relationships, it's the enemy that's taking over control of their minds. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And the last point on that dual parenting, the last point here is, 
we have to lean on the grace of God. We have to lean on the grace of God. That is the absolute critically important thing. It requires maximum grace. Because the goal here is to raise children who are not destroyed by the choices that the adults have made. We want to raise our children to love God, to love themselves, and to love other human beings. So, LT, what your mother did is the right thing. Teaching them by example is the best way. And there is no way we can teach them by example by sheer determination. Your determinations, your resolve will always fail. It will come short. In other words, you cannot just say, wow, man, no matter what happens, I'm going to, I'm going to be a good example to my children. And then you write down one, two, three things you need to... You, we can do all of that. Those exercises are fine. But what I'm saying is, in our human power, in our human will, we will fail. We will fail. So that's why we need the grace of God. And to what Vasya just said about the, the emotions she goes through, those things are real. Apostle Paul was the one that said in the Second Corinthians, let's just read that scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians 12. In verses 7 to 10. Say, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, when we are feeling down, when we are feeling depressed, when we are feeling angry, all of those situations present a maximum opportunity for God's grace to kick in. That is, if you understand and know how to draw that grace. You must draw on that grace. You must say to God, God, I'm angry with this man, I'm angry with this woman, but I'm trusting you for your grace to alleviate this anger so I don't manifest anger, but I manifest your love. You've got to talk to God like that. By faith, you receive what you need to keep on moving on. And we need that on a daily basis in this kind of situation. On a daily basis. Amen? Ah, okay. Let me just quickly talk. Let me just spend a little time and talk about <laughs> trying to love again. Trying to love again. A time comes in this walk, only God knows how long that time is, I mean, how long you are parenting alone for, but a time comes again when uh, you may start feeling the desire to get married again, and if that's so, it's fine. But we must understand certain things so that we don't repeat the same what happened to us in the past. Um, let me quickly touch on one or two things, and if anybody has any questions beyond what I'm saying here tonight, just get my attention, we'll talk about it, and uh, we'll try to. So dating again requires thought, courage, and a sense of adventure. Number one, 
First, get healed. That is important. How are you going to know when you're healed? Does anybody know how you know when you're healed? From a previous breakup, from an old relationship? Yes. You, well, you know you're healing when it doesn't hurt that much anymore. You're able to think about the person, think about the situation, but it doesn't hurt that much. And then it gets to the point that you really forget. You've, you really do forget. And I'm referring back to when I was a teenager and I was hurt by my first boyfriend. You thought you couldn't live through it. You thought it was going to never stop hurting. But now I don't even remember him. You understand? And I want to say this, that you have to release forgiveness no matter how much they hurt you. Because if you don't release that forgiveness, that, that means that that person still have you in prison. He still have power over you. Power over you. And no one should have power over you like that. But if you release forgiveness, it gives God the chance to work on him, but also relieve you. The word of God says, if you, if you don't forgive, how can the, the Father forgive you? But, and I'm not, I don't want to open up a can of worms, but the fact is, if you don't release forgiveness, it's like putting yourself in prison and that person in prison. But once you release that forgiveness, the hurt stops, your life can move forward, and you're out of that prison in your emotions. Okay, good. Yes, let me do. I have a question. I don't know how healthy that is. Um, is this healthy? Like, um, yeah, you've forgiven them. You're not bitter or anything, but they just don't exist in your book. Like, it's like you're, they're dead to you. So whatever they do doesn't really freak me or bother me. Is that healthy? It, it, it is not unhealthy. So to answer that question, what I'm going to say is, it, it may very well mean you've come to the point where you have totally, completely over that situation. They no longer press your button. They don't, they don't have the trigger, the triggers that they used to have. Because I'm sure you can answer this question. It was not always like that. It was a journey to get you to the point where you're able to say, I, I, just, I just forget this, this person. Is that true? Exactly. So, so that, that answers the question a little bit in the sense that you have released the pain and the anger and ask God to forgive you and forgive them. And in the process of time, you come to the place where now it no, that, no longer bothers you. Is that, is that correct description? Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully, that's the goal. That is the goal. And the reason that is, that is the goal is because if we don't get over that hurt, Miles Monroe made a statement that whenever we get remarried, carrying the hurts from the previous relationship, you are just setting yourself up for another hurt. That is why this is so important. That is why 
it is not advisable for anybody that's just gone through a breakup relationally to quickly be connected to somebody else. Unless, and I say a big unless, capital U, capital N, capital L, capital E, capital SS, unless due to some supernatural healing. So it's not just for people that are divorced. People that are widowed is the same thing. People that's relocating to a new town. You just made a very traumatic, you just, something huge just happening in your life. That is the wrong time to make a big decision about new relationships. You need to allow it sometimes, particularly when children are involved. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. Yes, sir. He has a question. Pastor, I don't have a question, but I just want to say that you took that point right from my mouth. I was going to make that point. Okay. Um, spiritually, it's nice to forgive. Yes. It takes a while. It takes time. But we have to forgive for our own inner peace. Yes. For our own inner sobriety. Yes. But psychologically also, if you don't forgive, it follows you around. Yes. It sets you up for relationship problems. Yes. You cannot trust any, anymore. Yes. You cannot love anymore. Yes. You cannot open up to anyone anymore. Yes. So either way, it's good to forgive, forget, get over it, and Amen. start all over. It's difficult. Yes. It's easier said than done. But Correct. It's difficult. Correct. And the reason, and I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that, that it's easier said than done. Why, why, why is it easier? To, because it's only God that can do it. Yeah. Only God. And so that's why I, I, the very first thing about this whole thing is making sure that the God factor is in place. It's, it's important. Yeah, because to take hurt into a new relationship, what that means is we have programmed that new relationship with a faulty foundation. And it's going to show up eventually. Amen? Hurt people hurts people. That's just, that's just the way it goes. So it takes time to heal, and every situation is different. We, we must make that clear. Every situation is different. And some people are able to do it faster than others. It just depends on what, what happened in that relationship. That has a lot to do with that. Now, dating or courtship should not be an ant antidote for our pain. That is huge. In other words, I'm not dating to dull the pain. And many people do that. Many, many people. Because they are feeling good as long as they are with this other person. And they are hoping that feeling good with this person helps them forget that person. That should never be the case. So dating should never be an antidote for our pain. We need to wait for the healing, walk through these emotions, and let time help us heal. Why is waiting also important? Because of the children. They need time to heal. And so introducing a new person into the home too soon can fracture their need for comfort and structure. And then, of course, we need to know that staying single is okay. In other words... We don't have to be in a relationship to be fine, to be complete, to be whole. And God in time will help you get to that point where 
the grace is sufficient to be, to be able to be like that until something else changes. Now, every man, according to June Hunt, in her book, Biblical Counseling, every person has three inner needs. Number one, the need to love, I mean, rather, the need for love, the need for significance, and the need for security. And most people are looking for someone to meet those needs in their lives. But it will never happen. Because God reserves the right to be the only one to meet those needs in our lives. And so he wants, to, he wants me and you to allow him to do so. So let God decide. Now, let me just give us uh, three, quick, uh, three quick guides uh, as far as uh, dating. Number one, don't date after a crisis. We talked about that already. A divorce, a death, a loss of a job. Don't, don't, don't do that. Number two, think twice before introducing your children to someone new. Why is that? Because young children can attach very quickly and older children can resent someone else taking up your time and attention. <laughs> so you need to know that. Okay? And then number three, when and if you feel comfortable and you get ready, meet your date somewhere other than your home until you are sure the relationship will last. Don't bring him or her to your house. Meet him at Starbucks. <laughs> Pastor Abike will give you a card to, to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> yes. You've got to be careful. You, have, you want to protect your home and your kids until you are sure that this thing is the real deal, is going somewhere. And then, last, lastly, and then we're going to get ready to go. Lastly, only the parent should ever discipline the child or the children. If your date is frustrated by your parenting decisions, that needs to be discussed away from the children. That's a whole lot I just said. And I'm saying that from experience because we had situations where... Uh, the lady, uh, the, the lady is the parent that's, that is the person that's parenting alone. And maybe she has a child that's adolescent going into teenage years. And she's been parenting alone for a long time, set in her ways, has her rules, has everything in a particular way. And when they bring this new relationship to the house, the man sees some things around that he doesn't think is right and immediately gets into the I'm going to conquer mode. I say, hey, guy, don't do that. Ah, the video game, stop it. You play the video. He takes over the house. No, that's, 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 that's never. It should never correct the kids. Never. Never, ever, never. Now, it should talk to you about your parental skills away from the child. You guys agree and, or disagree, whatever the case may be. And then you go back and execute or implement. But he has no right to speak to them about their behavior because he does not have a key to the house yet. <laughs> does that make any sense? So watch out for that. Yes, you had something? Yes. Ah. 
Praise God. Yeah. So if there are any other questions that I've not addressed tonight, or that we've not addressed, that needs to be addressed, write them down, put them in the fellowship hall on Sunday morning, or send them by WhatsApp to the church WhatsApp uh, number, and we're going to address them on Sunday. Yes. I'm not asking a question. I used to work for Child Protective Services for about 10 years, hmm. and you're talking about child care and marriage and children. It, it brings a lot to mind. But I just made about three points that I want to point out tonight. Okay. One, <clears throat> when people divorce, there are three needs at stake. Okay. The needs of the husband, the needs of the wife, and the needs of the children. Okay. When the needs of the parents exceed or supersede the needs of the children, the children suffer. Can you, can you break that down, please? How does the need of the parents If the parents it? are busy okay. uh, trying to resolve their divorce, and this one is saying, I'm right, and the oh, wife says, I'm right, okay. and you're not paying attention to nurturing the children okay, as appropriately you. as possible, okay. the children suffer. In other words, when they're investing too much energies Energy, into exactly. going back and forth, right. something suffers. Right. That's a very good point. Two elephants riding the grass of... That's a good point. Okay. So the next point is, you, you made this point, and I just said it in another way. When the children, when, the children learn from what we teach them. Mm -hmm. We tell them, do this, don't do this. They learn a lot from that. But psychologically speaking, children learn a lot more from what they experience yep. and what they see us do. Yes. And that's one point. And sometimes when we try to sort out our divorce and we try to resolve things by ourselves, not depending on the will of God, not depending on the power of God, we're hurting the children and we're causing them emotional abuse. And emotional abuse follows them. It causes them not to trust anyone. It causes them not to have any relationships. It sets them up for, for interpersonal relationship problems. Those are just the three points I wanted to make. Amen. Very good contribution. Praise God. You should have been here on Sunday morning, man, to help us. <laughs> I understand. I'm just, I'm just. Good. All right. So let's just, let's just adjourn for there tonight. Let's just stand up to pray.